0: This is the Mark Stucheski podcast. Abitari helps. I'm going to start over again. Abitari. Abitari. Okay, here we go.
1: No, no, no. Uh, wait, wait. Abitari.
0: Abitari. I'm going to keep this in the beginning of the show, <laughs> just because they need to know that I struggle with this. Here we go. Abitari Larson helps businesses in discerning data by gathering analyzing and reporting on their sales and marketing data so they can reduce costs, increase efficiencies, and grow. A.B., welcome to the show. Good day, Mark. I'm happy to be here. A.B. Tari. (laughs) Is that right? (laughs) That's very correct. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) You know, I have a name like Struchewski, so I get having difficult names, and I really don't want to mispronounce someone's name but you said i did okay but you also gave me permission for the rest of our time together on the show to call you ab thank you so much for saying that so
1: yeah you're welcome every that's my childhood nickname everyone calls me ab so please feel free
0: now ab it says here that you have been named a wonderpreneur i have never heard of the term Wonderpreneur. Now, I guess one of your software partners on medium.com called you that. What, what is a wonderpreneur?
1: Well, yes, one of our software partners, Zoho, we've been uh, partner resellers with Zoho since 2009. And back in about 2018, during Women's History Month, they interviewed about five of their women partner resellers, uh, women business owners, and interviewed us on sort of the things we'd learned in business. And they named us all Wonderpreneurs, just meaning, hey, they were giving a shout out to us saying, acknowledging us for being partners, acknowledges for our contributions to the overall growth of the organization and growth of uh, the objectives, mission and vision of uh, the software and company. So that was where that name Wonderpreneur came from. And we're just really grateful for the partnership with Zoho.
0: Now you talked about big data. Now, I'm not really sure what big data means. So could you explain it to me, a simple man who is not into like big data or technology? And I know we have some listeners who are listening to the show. We've been hearing the words big data for years now but I know I'm not the only one on this planet that doesn't know what big data is. So can you simplify it for us, A, B? We're counting on you to explain what big data is.
1: I think of big data when you start to get data that cannot be manipulated very easily just with a calculator or with the mind. And maybe it's even starting to grow out of Excel, programs where you need bigger systems, larger computers to actually make sense of the information. It may be information that has been collected over long periods of time, uh, information that you're collecting on your show. For example, your show has been around for a long time. You've been gathering information about your viewers and your listeners. And it's good practice that you keep all that information and Over time, you're just getting more and more of it, and it's increasing the information and the value that you can get out of it, so it grows. So over time, even a small business can start to find that their information is just getting larger and larger, and you would grow out of a calculator or an Excel, and you'd want to start using a business intelligence tool. And now there's lots of cloud tools that are drag and drop, and you can just use them to get the information you need out of your larger numbers of data.
0: I remember when I started the podcast back in July of 2017, I didn't qualify for big data. I had like 25 downloads that first episode. But I remember I was so excited because I remember I downloaded the episode and my wife did. And I'm like, who are these other 23 people? Now my podcast is heard literally around the world. And I do have a lot of data, but I never thought about it as big data before so it is pretty exciting and it's I I love data because data doesn't lie I mean it's either yes or no or whatever it's very binary so I I really appreciate you explaining that to me because I've been hearing this all over the internet for many many years so what do you do I mean obviously you're very passionate you're starting to go on the podcast uh, circuit now what are you really passionate about?
1: You made a comment and I I want us to Uh, Look at that a little more because I don't think you're wrong, but I also was thinking about this a little bit more that data doesn't lie. I do go into some of my clients and it's not that the data doesn't lie, but sometimes the reports that we make do lie. Mm. So when I was in grad school, where I mentioned we started, I started seeing big data, I worked with a professor and he was helping me with my physical models on the data, meaning the math calculations I was doing on the model. And he said, it's one thing to do a math calculation or to make a report, but it's a whole nother thing to make sure that report is right. Right. So I know you've heard the adage, if I'm going to cut down a tree, I'm going to take five hours to sharpen my knife and or my axe, and then an hour to cut down the tree. So it goes the other way in report making. You gather your data, but or you make your report, but then you take five hours to make sure that it's right. So I often go into companies, and they're telling me, hey, we have these reports, but over time, we're finding we can't trust the information coming out of the report because over time organizations start collecting more information from different sources and then the report starts not capturing those new sources or they stop collecting here and you know the the report just becomes old and inaccurate so you got to keep your reports accurate and we help companies either update old reports create new reports also clean up data so that it does start showing in reports, things like that.
0: I have a very nerdy cousin of mine, and we actually created a podcast called Two Bald Nerds with a Z instead of an S. (laughs) We talk a lot of nerdy stuff, but he's actually one of these developers. He works for a company up in Rochester, New York, and he creates all these massive databases and stuff like that. And we have agreed never to talk about that because my eyes glaze over. But people that can create reports that actually give you great data. And I agree with you what you're saying. It makes a lot of sense that if the program is set up correctly, then when you put the data in, it's going to give you the correct data. But if the program is not written correctly, well, then you may put data in that's accurate data to get a report. But if the re- if the report generating system is not set up correctly, then you may get the bad data out and then people don't know where to go. And I think most people would go back to the source when it's not really the source, it's actually the program. So I wonder how many people have actually stopped and thought about it. Maybe it's not the data, maybe it's the actual report generating system.
1: Exactly. And, and what I find too, is that A lot of the reports people collect for business intelligence have to do with human beings and how they're performing, either employees or client, for example, I have a client who's a training company and they have, they certify people. So when it's time for the certification to renew, so it's always tracking like a human being's performance. And so, you know, for better or for worse, you're always going to track someone down. Like, did you do what you were supposed to do? And if your report isn't right, you're telling the person, Hey, you didn't do it. And the person's going, but yes, I did look here. I did it. So, um, We're always tracking our people, and you've got to make sure it's saying the right thing because a lot of times what you're tracking is about people, and this is very sensitive information.
0: I am old enough to remember when there was no email, there were no cell phones, no one had a computer in their home, and there wasn't the tracking there is now because- how are you going to track people? I mean, you you just couldn't, you can send direct mail out to someone, but there's no way of knowing if they actually opened it. Nowadays, people make a big deal of privacy, but I think it's really difficult unless you stay off the internet. To, or off the grid as they say to have a private life because you know you, so you get an email they're tracking it you watch TV they're tracking it everybody's tracking tracking your productivity at work how many emails you're sending out, how many calls you're making and it, I do I've always said that technology is a blessing and a curse it can be used to serve people or it can be used to hurt people do you agree with that? Do you feel overwhelmed and frustrated? Are you under a lot of stress? There's a better way you only get one life, so why not feel peace and freedom and enjoy your life? You can find out more at 90days to bustingoverwhelm.com.
1: I most definitely agree with that. Um, I, I don't feel like I can speak very strongly to that, but I think it's something this starts to get into ethics and it's not uh, my area of strength but what i i would say is that when i go into a company we usually work in two phases we usually start with a discovery phase where we try to understand the problem so we can give an an estimate of what the work is going to be to complete the work. And at the discovery phase, we're usually working with executives. And then during the work phase, let's say the executives approve and sign on with us. Then during the work phase, we're working with the team, the people on the ground. And it's during that phase that we start data cleanup, that we start reports cleanup. And that's really where you start to see the team members breathe out, exhale, just say, you know, okay, I'm finally being heard. I finally trust. I finally know that no one's going to delete my report. I finally know that no one's going to see my work that they're not supposed to see. And that's where... We, I personally feel the success. So that's where my ethics lie is when I come in, I want to make sure the team members are protected the way the executives asked me to come in and protect them. And that's the ethic I bring to the job.
0: It's very interesting. You mentioned that you talk to the executives in the discovery portion, and then you go work with the team. I can't tell you how many companies I work with way back in the day, not work with, work for, that the executives would bring in a new software, for example, and they weren't using the software. The front end employees would use the software. They would determine, the executives determine, we're going to go with A. And then it was just throw it at the team members. And then we would lose our productivity for like six to nine months because we weren't involved in the process. They never came to us and says, how is this new product going to affect you? And as a result, they would thrust the new product onto us. And then our productivity would suffer. And then the management would come back to us, the same people that just purchased the software and say, why is your productivity decreasing? This product is we bought for you is supposed to be better. And we would all say, but you didn't ask us. This is not what we not wanted. It looks really nice to you, but you're not using it every day. And so I, the point I'm making is I think any leaders listening to this conversation need to encourage all the team members who are going to use that new report, that new software, the new program, you got to get them involved because they probably see things that you don't because you're not using the software as they do every day.
1: Absolutely. And I mostly work with small, medium-sized businesses. So I feel like software should be brought on organically. When the need arises, then you do a search and you pick the solution that you know is going to be a best fit to your tribe. And at a small, medium-sized business level, you can do that. In a very organic kind of way, so you can certainly involve the team. Uh, the executives know the team very well because it's a it's still close knit at the small medium sized business level. But you don't need to add a lot of systems, and when you add them, you can add them very thoughtfully and only add exactly what's needed and exactly what's to be a good fit and the minimum required systems always.
0: I'm a big fan of simplicity. I think so many people are unnecessarily making things complex. And when you make things complex, your productivity takes a hit.
1: Absolutely. Some of my customers have said, you know, if you can just be on one ecosystem, (laughs) that's even the best. Mm. The fewer systems, the better. And that way they can talk to each other. Synchronicity is also very good.
0: Yeah, it's because we're talking about the productivity of your employees and it doesn't matter if you have one employee or you have a hundred, you want to set up a system that is going to help them do the job that you want them to do most efficiently. They shouldn't spend a lot of time learning how to do certain things with the software. I would even say it should be as, as intuitive as possible. Because you don't want that productivity. It's going to, when you introduce a new software, your productivity by nature is going to take a little dip. But you want that dip to be as shallow as possible and as short as possible, correct?
1: Absolutely. And not only should it be intuitive, a a lot of the cloud-based tools these days are pretty intuitive, very easy to learn. Like the setting is always in the upper right, you know, things like that. You can, you can know that, but also, uh, they should make transparency become more apparent in the company so that, for example, your sales team has an insight into the invoices status so that they can know, okay, this customer has paid either or the deposit, or the full invoice, so that instead of going and interrupting another team member's workflow, they can just have the information right there at their fingertips, and everybody, you know, can have more streamlined work process.
0: Yeah, that man, I tell you, this is something that the world needs to hear because I can just imagine the listener. You know, listening to this on the way to work or on their lunch, and they're going, Yeah, I wish my company would have heard about this podcast before they purchased this software because they don't think. And I, and I, it, I just got to say it again. If you're a leader of a company or you're in the C suite, you've got to involve everyone that you can who's going to be using that software because you are concerned about the return on investment. And if your productivity dips, you're actually paying more money for the software because now you get to have special training to come in and help your team. When if you would involve them in the beginning of choosing the software, you'd be in a much big, bigger boat. Now, that's that's something I've been trying to work on my podcast to try to get leaders to understand. It's not just about them. It's about the, the, the people on the front lines as well. So do you have anything else you want to share with us about? companies bringing in new software or how they should, you know, increase transparency with their workers. Any other tips you want to give the listener?
1: Yeah. Uh another thing I think for small medium-sized businesses that I've read over time, this is not new information. This is information I've Read in other books and learned uh, from my data gathering over time. And unfortunately, I don't have the resource to cite right now, but is to document business processes. Those are your business proprietary information. And so in order to be able to replicate your services over and over again, which is what your customers expect, you've got to make standards like this. This is how I want all emails replied this is how I want the subject of all my meetings to be this is how whatever it is I'm in a services industry so that applies to me if you're in a products industry you know what your recipes are to ensure that your product is always replicable and the same so that's something I, I would think about what do you think about things like that
0: and even if you're a solopreneur like me, you should still document. And this is something I'm really bad at. But as my business grows and I bring people on, well, right now, all the information's in my head. That doesn't help the new employee. So even if you're a solopreneur, you still need to document your process because if you do things right, your company's going to grow. And how are you going to train them? Wow, I kind of wing it. Well, you can't tell them that because you don't want them to do it their own way. Uh, A.B., I want to thank you for being on the show today. Where can people go to find out more about you and what you're doing in the world?
1: Thank you for asking. The best place to find me is on our website. It's www.d as in delta, d as in data, s as in services, hyphen llc.com. And I'm also on LinkedIn by my first and last name.
0: All right. Now her last her first name again. I'm gonna try this. We're gonna see how successful, how much, how much I remembered from the beginning of the show. A B Tari Larson. Is that close? Oh, I got it. All All right. A B, thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: Thank you so much, Mark. It was a pleasure.
0: And before we go, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. I know that there is an endless stream of options for you in this day and age